I want you to go with me to the book of Genesis. Now, I'm interested myself in seeing all that God is going to say because it's one of those times again that he kind of cleaned the slate of what I thought was going to happen. And, uh, and so he dropped some new fresh stuff in a little bit different direction than where I was going. But we've been in a series this past month entitled Better Together. Better Together. Can we say that together? Better Together. How many of you remember as a kid, I don't know, maybe you guys were different, your family functioned different. Uh, but I remember as a kid growing up, we'd go to the store with mom and dad. And of course, you know, back then when you go into the checkout line where all the candy and all this stuff was, and we never got in the line that we didn't want something. You know how it goes. Your kids probably done the same thing. And, and I'd ask mom, dad, can I have this? And I'd hear those incredible words, no. Or really one word, no. And, and then I would ask why. And then I would get this brilliant, intelligent answer. Because I said so. Now, I didn't mind asking three or four times. But I noticed it didn't matter how many times I asked, the answer never changed. It was still the very same. Why? Because I said so. I think you think your parents, don't you? But I remember even as I was getting older, 15, 16, got my license. I was one of those kids. Mom and dad wouldn't just give me the car or, I'd, you know, let me go, go out on Friday night. I mean, there were many times all my friends, church friends, and they're all wanting to go somewhere. And I'd ask mom and dad if, if I could go. No. And again, I'd ask that brilliant question, Why? And I got that same answer, because I said so. And so I want to declare something to you from the Word of God. Thank you, Miss Tanya. I want to declare something to you through the Word of the Lord this morning. Why are we better together? Because he said so. I mean, that's as simple as it gets. And we don't have to have an explanation about everything that God does. Neither do we have to have an understanding of why he's working the way he's working. All he asks us to do in every situation and every part of it is just simply to put our confidence and our trust in him. And sometimes if you're not getting an answer that you're looking for, you may be hearing a no and you're asking why. And God keeps saying the same thing over and he may do it next year and he may do it the next year after that. But he's just simply going to say this, because I said so. So look with me at passage of scripture just for a few moments out of the book of Genesis chapter 2. I love Genesis 1 and 2 because really it is a picture of God, a revelation of God's plan for man and the earth, how it is to be, how the world is to function, how increase and in blessing is to come, and how everything in it is supposed to be fulfilled, and it fulfills his desire and purpose of which he created it, everything. So in Revelation, we're not without we're, we, in, in the scripture, we're not without revelation and we're really not in a knowing. Just sometimes we're asking God why because we don't understand why God has done certain things that he did. Also got to remind you something that came to my mind in the midst of a world that seems to be going mad and crazy from everything from the economic system to the political system to the uh, whatever is going nuts. How many has ever, ever heard this? And I'm sure you have. I've read the back of the book and I know who wins. Now how many believes that? Then what in the world are you fighting for? Boy, you got quiet there. He gave us a plan and he told us the end. What we don't understand is all this. And some of it I don't like. 
But he give us a plan to get through it. Look, Genesis chapter chapter 2. I, I, love, I love how it starts out. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Verse 4. It says, this is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the he- earth and the heavens. Before any plan on the field was in the earth, before any, uh, uh, for the Lord had caused, had not caused it to rain on the earth, for there was no man to till the ground, but a mist went up from the earth, watered the whole face of the ground, and listen to what he did, and the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being, or the original King James would say, I believe, man becomes a living soul. Now he takes that man, according to verse 8, the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and he tells us a little bit about this garden. But look with me at verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Verse 18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper for him. Now who's speaking? God. What did God say? It's not good that man should be alone. Man, there's so much stuff that's been running through my heart ever since I got up. Like I said, the slate got cleared. So a lot of things unfolded this morning, to be honest. But there's a lot of things. When he took him into the garden here, God gives him this beautiful spot. And in this beautiful spot, there was the potential and the power that the rest of the earth one day would look like this garden. I'm confident of that. That the whole earth before sin, if sin hadn't, hadn't entered in at all, it would have looked exactly like the Garden of Eden. And God took the man, put him in the midst of it, and he said, I want you to tend to this garden. I saw something this week when, when I go to meetings like this. I, I'm, I'm an observer. I, I'm a note taker. I'm... I'm I'm not trying to be critical of anything. I'm looking for the Lord is what I'm looking for. But I didn't go looking for water. I told you when I left last week, I'm not looking for revival because I believe revival is here and I believe revival is in us. But I don't think we believe that because here we're constantly looking for something. So God takes man, puts him in a spot. In a garden that I just said that had the potential. May I tell you that there is a move of God within each person in this room. There's a move of God right here in this place this morning. Now you may not feel it. It may not look the way you think it ought to look. But nonetheless, it doesn't mean that God's not here. But here's the one thing I have discovered. A lot of times we're asking for more and more is not the question at this moment. It's about stewarding what God has entrusted you with. And if you and I don't steward what God has put in our hands, it doesn't matter how much more comes. I'll still see no more than where I'm at right now. Hello? We're called to be stewards of a move of God, of where we are presently. And I believe that's what what God is one thing that the Lord is saying. I, I believe we Pentecostal, charismatic, word of faith, deliverance, holiness people. I believe we are so much one dimensional that we can't see anything that God is doing. Because if I talk to one group about revival or about what a good service was, man, we had people laid out all over the floor this morning. I just went into one of the greatest places I've ever been, felt God like I hadn't felt in a sense, and I got news for you. I didn't see one person laying on the floor. I didn't see one person run the aisle. 
I didn't see anything out of control. Matter of fact, it was confined in one sense that everything operated in such an order and with such excellence. I know, I know for us CS1 dimensional Pentecostal word of faith, holiness, deliverance people, all that most of us say, but those are just seeker friendly people. And therefore, we miss a lot of what God is. And I've come to learn, I've come to learn this, that they've made up a decision and believe that God has given them something. So what are they doing? They've learned to steward the move of God that God has given them to do. What do you mean steward it? To work with it because in the move of God there is seed. And whatever you and I will do with it when we work at it, when we labor with what God has given us, we have the right and we have the ability to produce a harvest far greater than what we're looking at within our own lives. And most of us are waiting on something instead of stewarding. That could be in anything in your life. That could be among your finances. That could be in your relationships. That could be anything. That's why we're developing these relationships. We're not trying to be cool. We're trying to get to that place of what we believe the Lord is saying. Matter of fact, I believe here's something else I throw at you. I don't have a lot lined up to make it pretty for you today. I'm just throwing it out as God give me. Are you okay? Y'all listen to every other prophet that way, so you might as well listen to me this way, all right? Uh, Listen, I've heard over the last year uh, through the prophets, we are in a reset. I believe God's resetting his church. I, I really believe that with all my heart. I believe that's something that is going on. I don't know, I'm not one that plays games like this, but I feel something significant about this month of October. I'm not going to tell you what I think God's going to do. I believe I know what God has spoke to me that he is doing. And that's what I'm going to share with you from the word of God. But it's interesting, Pastor uh, Bruce, that the number 10 is the number of witness or testimony. And I believe that just like Israel was brought to a spot that they had to make a decision. We're going to follow the things of God and step into the promised land in spite of the giants, in spite of the great walls, in spite of everything that's going on. Or we're going to walk out and we'll wonder the next 40 years. And here's the thing. You don't know the difference between the wilderness and the promised land because you base the wilderness upon a feeling and a miracle And the promised land, you're producing all of that. Hello? So we don't know the difference. But I believe we're there. And I believe God is bringing his church to a place of reset. What does the reset mean? It means to set again. It's as simple as that. It means to set it again. I've heard some of the prophets, and I want to challenge your heart this morning on something. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not listening to anybody. I'm just trying to get my ear to the Lord is all I'm trying to do. Uh, but But this stuff in the last couple of days has just been flooding my heart. But I believe we're in a moment everybody says, God's going to have to do something or this world is going to go to hell in a handbasket. Read the end of the book. As a matter of fact, there are some things of this world that have got to go to hell. And the reason it's got to go there is because you and I have embraced that as a way of life. And God never intended that to be our way of life. So he said there's going to come a time when things are going to burn with a, with a fervent, with a very heated fire. But he's not trying to destroy that which is good, but he is purging that which is bad. Could we be in a time of reset where reset means I have to look at what's not right and I have to look at what is right. And, and something has to change if God is pushing the reset button. I heard some of the prophets say, this bothered me for whatever reason. It's just the last couple of days. We were listening to them, all the stuff about the political stuff. And I'm, listen, guys, I'm for our country. I'm a patriot. I'm going to fight for our country. But I want you to hear something. I heard some of these prophets say that somebody's getting ready to fall dead in the White House. Or they're going to fall dead in the Congress. Or they're going to fall dead here. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. 
The church started rejoicing over that. Oh, pastor, we did. Yeah, we did. I hope they do it quick. When the reality of that word, if that was a word from heaven, it ought to make every one of us tremble. That if God was so angry at the earth and so angry with mankind that he's going to wipe people out and people are going to fall dead, then you and I ought to be trembling and crying out for mercy. God, is it me? Hello? Because Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4, I think it's the 17th verse, he said, for the time has come, listen, that judgment must begin in the house of the Lord. Wait a minute, if judgment's going to come to the house of the Lord, and if what we heard the prophets saying that people are going to fall dead... You and I ought to have a trembling fear within us and we ought to be like those disciples that sit at the table with Jesus at that last meal when Jesus said, one of you is fixing to betray me, one of you is a devil. And and one of them said, Lord, is it I? And one by one, they begin to ask, Lord, is it I? Am I the betrayer here? Am I the one that's doing this? I don't think you and I want what you think is coming to the world because before it can ever come to the world, God has to deal with his church. According to the scripture, and I've got leaders here and I trust their opinions and I trust their insight into the things of God. But he said, I can't judge the world because I'm going to use the church to be the standard. It's going to be the rule by which I will judge the church. Are the world. I'm going to use my church. Matter of fact, Paul, it was spoke of in Old Testament time, and it was spoke against by the Apostle Paul in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12 and verse 25. I don't want to take time to read every passage of scripture, but I believe it was in the Hag- in the book of Haggai. God says, One more time, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. I'm going to rattle it. Are you ready for it? Because if we're not careful, we don't have a clue what it means. We just know God's shaking things. He said in the book of Haggai, one more time, I'm going to shake thousands of years before Paul, or hundreds of years before Paul would ever speak it. And then Paul speaks in the book of Hebrews and said, we've come to the mountain of God. And then he turns around and he says, one more time, God is going to shake the heavens and the earth. May I tell you what I personally believe shaking is? It's God putting everything back in order. It's God getting the order back from the chaos that it's been in. So how do we know what's good or how do we know what the order is? Then I have to go back to the beginning. I have to go back to the book of beginnings. I got to go back to Genesis 1 and I got to go back to Genesis 2. And the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And the fullness thereof, we could read through all of that again. And so he began to fashion the earth. And this is how he fashioned it. Six days he created everything that this earth would be, how this earth would function. He put the stars and the moon. You have to understand how precise everything that God was. I think it's on the fourth day that he created a time in the sense of what we would know because that's when he put the sun there and he put the moon and he put the stars. And this is what he said. I put them there for times and seasons. Because now the earth, in order to keep everything moving, God began to spin it like a, like a basketball. And he put the sun there. And everything is revolving itself, in a sense, around the sun. And one thing is going this direction. Possibly another thing is going that direction. But the reason everything holds together is because God was the one that created it. And if we move one degree off of our axis, we could literally burn up. And if we move one degree the other way, we could freeze to death. All because God knew how to keep everything in order. Hang on, church. Follow with me for a few moments. 
So if I want to know what's resetting, I got to go back to beginning. So God created man. Genesis 1, 26, 27 says this. And God created man, male and female, and he blessed them. And he, or God created man in his own image. He created him, male and female. He created them. God never intended for us to do life alone. And God blessed them. And God said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Or have dominion. Over the earth. So now the first picture we have with this man, he's created in the image and the likeness of God of everything on the earth. God gets a handful of dirt, he forms it, and the moment God breathes into him, he became like his creator. And he carries the very attributes and the very nature of the one that created him. And what God wanted to rule the earth, listen, what God wanted to rule the earth was his own nature, was his own characteristics to feel all the earth. Now, I don't think we find the word glory here anywhere in the first two chapters. But every one of us will say this, that Adam was clothed in the glory of God. So what is the glory? Again, we the church are looking for things to fall out of the sky or we're looking for this to manifest. And I think there are those special moments that God does something so unique to let us know that he's here and that he's moving among us. I will not dispute that, but I believe that I'm looking at the glory of God, a man or woman that is living the life of the kingdom, living the attributes and the characteristics of the Lord. You are the glory of God. And so when God said to Moses, all the earth will be filled with the glory of God. He wasn't talking about a cloud. He was talking about people that look like you and I. Hello, are you okay? Looks like us. So here he gives us this picture of this man, him and God. Told you recently, me and Jesus, we've got our own thing going. But I don't want to discount that because you've got to have this incredible relationship with Jesus. You want to know why the world has gone to the place it's gone? It's because we've gotten away from who our creator is. And we've become gods within our own self. Israel was in a place. Israel was in a place where idolatry had taken them over. And that they had turned from God. And I believe it's in 2 Chronicles chapter 15. Let me read this to you just real quick. I don't, I don't think I gave it to our inner notes. But this is what, what it says about Israel in 2 Corinthians 15.3. For a long time, Israel had been without the true God. I want to tell you, when you're without God, you're going to soon begin to turn and take on a different form. It's funny this week, me and Chad were eating at some really good places, Texas barbecue and Tex-Mex, Tex-Mex tacos. I noticed something. You could tell where we were hanging out because we didn't have to be in there long. When I walked out, I smelled like the barbecue joint. And when I walked out, I smelled like the Mexican restaurant that I was in. Matter of fact, because we were in meetings one day, uh, Matt, we decided to go back to our hotel room. Let's change clothes. Go eat. Come back. Change clothes. That way we don't have to make everybody hungry around us. We did that. But there is a reality that if you don't have this relationship with God, then you're going to turn from the image and the form of which God intended for you to live. If you don't hang out with the one that created you, it was so important. God wasn't taking that away from Adam, but he did say, Adam, I still didn't intend for you, just for me and you to have our own thing going because our plan is bigger than where you are. So then God takes him and puts a deep sleep on him. 
And he takes this rib. We talked about that last week. And he made this beautiful woman and he brought her. I love that part because I've always had this idea that he just wakes up and the first thing that he sees is this beautiful lady and he's wowed by her. But that's not what the word said. God grabbed her by the hand and he walked with him. It was God that put him in the sleep and only God could bring him out of it. And the first thing that he saw after coming awake, he had God and this beautiful relationship now that he's going to enter into. And he said, now you're flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. That's why in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible said he created them male and female. And there he blessed them. You know, so many times we're looking for blessing. Maybe we just need to find what God's already blessed and get into it. Instead of trying to create something new, we are in a reset moment. Look at your neighbor and say, we're in a reset moment. And then God put him under command. We've gotten away from even the priority of what God has sent us to do. He said, I want you to feel the earth. I want you to feel, oh, pastor, it's just not my nature. It's just, you know, we're just a small group. Somehow we've got to grow and we've got to be small all at the same time. Because it's the plan of God. God didn't want a place with just a few hundred or a place with 50,000. He said, I want everybody to be like me. And that was the plan. That their offspring, because they're like their creator, what they would produce as sons and daughters is going to continue to multiply. But you and I know that sin entered into the camp. When God put Adam in this garden, he said, Adam, it's all yours. He put words of life in him. He said, Adam, you can have it all. The earth is yours. Listen, don't buy that lie of the enemy. That this is just, you know, my lot in life. God said the earth is yours. You go as far as you want to go. That's not a good, you you know, uh, what, what do you call those guys? Motivation speech. God determined that. Matter of fact, people are making money off of the laws of life that God established for people that live by. And instead of reading the book, instead of reading the book, we go buy their book and pay them thousands of dollars. Matter of fact, Pastor Morris, I'm sorry, I don't mean to keep reflecting there, but I just come out of there and I heard all this stuff and I'm filled with it. And his son is getting ready to take over their church here in a couple years. Transition is happening. He's a businessman. So how did he become what he is? Very successful businessman. Very wealthy businessman. So how did he get that way? There was already a successful businessman in the church working with Pastor Morris. So Brother Morris asked him if he would mentor his son. Yeah, I will. But he's going to follow the plan that God's given me. And so this young man, as a kid, was being mentored by this brother that's following God's plan of success. Every week, every month, he would have him remembering Scripture. He just simply went back to the book that told us how to succeed. And he said, son, I'm going to teach you all these things. You're going to remember all of these verses. Literally hundreds of verses he had to remember. He said, I'm not going to do it. But this young man, pastor was telling their story when he was dating the beautiful lady that he married. He had, he had more money than he knew what to do with, that he went and bought her a five-carat diamond ring and bought her all of this stuff and things that you and I would dream of and think that only wealthy people could have it. But the reason he got to that point, and I know I'm not t- doing it justice to tell you the story, but the reason I'm telling you the story is God's already laid the plan for our success and to turn our nation and to do everything we need, but we've got to get to his plan. We've got to work his plan. But it said in Samuel, Israel had been so long without God. Our chronicles that Israel had been so long without God. And the reason they, they were so long without God is because the preachers quit preaching the law. 
And because the law wasn't being preached anymore, there was no law. So what began to happen? People began to do what was right in their own eye. But what was God's solution and answer to turn the nation around? Get back to my law, get to preachers preaching again, and come back to me. Hello? He didn't say anything about the political system. He just said, get back to me. So God created man, put him in this garden, gave him this law, and then sin entered in. Because remember, God gave him the option of two trees. The tree of knowledge and the tree of life. Here's the deal. I believe it's not about the fruit. It's about what it represents. It's about the life you will live. Either you will live the life of the Spirit and you will prosper and you will excel and you will live or you will live by the tree of knowledge which is really living by your flesh and what you think and what you feel. And this is what he said. I'll tell you before it happens, you're going to die. And we've got a world that is chosen to live by the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And all that the serpent had to do was come in and deceive the woman. Wait a minute, how did she get deceived? Because he convinced her to start looking with her eyes instead of follow the plan of God that had been put in her heart. Because remember, God told Adam, Adam, you can have it all, but if you touch that tree, you're going to die. But Eve wasn't there yet. It wasn't until after Eve that no doubt Adam had the words of life that he had to present to his wife. And then that had to be presented to his children. And it would carry on from generation to generation. And then somewhere down the line, we quit teaching. One of the saddest verses in the Bible is Judges chapter 2. And a generation grew up that did not know the Lord. I wonder why that is. They're going to the temple every day. They're offering sacrifice every day. It didn't say they stopped in temple. It didn't say they stopped their worship. It just said they quit following God. They didn't know the Lord. Somebody had quit imparting to the generation. Somebody had quit talking. Somebody had quit teaching. I know we're going to say that's not us. But if we're in a reset moment and God is setting his church back, what's he going to set reset? What is he going to reset? What's he going to bring us to? How are we going to know we're even there? Oh, man. Let me fast forward in New Testament. So we see Jesus. We see Jesus. Well, pastor, it's, we're, we're just in the day of all grace. Yeah, I agree with that. But Jesus was a reset. Let me give you a number of them through the scripture that I know of, and there's probably more. A reset came after Genesis chapter 6. Because of the wickedness of men's heart, God said, I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to wash it away. He didn't change any word for Noah different than what he had actually gave to Adam. The only difference was Adam was carrying that seed of iniquity with him along with the seed of God think about that for a moment so there was a reset as God cleansed the earth but we have to admit that it wasn't long afterwards that mankind got wicked as it would come how do you know that because it look at Genesis chapter chapter 13 and chapter 14 when Lot leaves and he goes to Sodom and and most of us will most of us will think about Sodom being all the, the iniquity of, of sexuality, of everything that went on there. Uh, but there's a scripture that tells us in New Testament that we're not to forget Lot's wife. We're not to forget her. But why did God want us to remember her? Don't forget her, but she turned to a pillar of salt on the journey. And most of us would say it's because she turned and looked back and God said, don't look back. But if you'd go and you'd read through history, we would find that for, for Lot and his family, that no doubt they had become at ease even with everything that was around them. 
they had become at ease and they had become filled with pride and they had become filled with arrogancy and was not imparting even to that which is around. And when they walked out, looking back to say, why am I having to leave that? Just a thought. Because most of us haven't really pursued that to even dig it out, what he was even looking for. Then we could walk on. Israel goes into bondage for 400 years. And then God brings deliverance through Moses. And at Sinai, what was Sinai? It was only a reset. But that's a place he made covenant. Yeah, he did make covenant. But if you'll read through all that, he actually gave to them everything that he gave to Adam way back there. It was just a reset. And we go through all the, through the scripture and then we come into the New Testament. And now we're at another reset through Jesus. And God still doesn't change anything. Because even with Jesus, it's the same thing. And the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. God chose to put himself in the earth and let Jesus be the example, be the one for us all that would come to pay the price for every one of us to be what? Redeemed back to our Father. So what did Jesus do? Jesus became flesh to give us a picture. Did you ever read this book, this verse out of the book of Hebrews chapter 1? Worship team, I want you to get ready to come back, all right? Hebrews chapter 1 says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, but he has in these last days spoke to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Look at verse 3. I love this part who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Let me give you something here. Just with that comment or with that one passage of Scripture, we see image and likeness from Genesis 1. Not only do we see image and likeness, but we also see the Spirit of God. He's upholding. He's the express image of His person, and He's giving Him dominion because this is what He says. He's upholding all things by the word of His power, who by Himself purged our sin. So now a reset is taking place. And Jesus is the picture. And Jesus is the example. And not only that, but just like with Jesus, the Bible says in Ephesians 1 and verse 3, I believe it is, now thanks be unto God who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. May I gift you to look at that in a different way? When he said he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings, he put us back in the place of image and likeness of the Father through Christ. New Testament reset. But not only did he, not only did he uh, put us back into that place, but like he took Adam and put him in a garden. He made a place for him. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16. You, you might take a look at that real quickly if I can find it here. I believe that's the verse. It says, oh, and God has raised us up. This is verse, oh, am I in the right spot? Wait a minute, let me find it. Oh, here it is. It's verse 6 instead of 16. And God has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So now instead of a garden, we're in Christ. And that garden in Christ is just as fruitful as the garden of Eden ever was. I'm even going to have to challenge us about our identity. Because every one of us is chasing an identity of some kind. We got a world that's gone mad. Look at how the enemy's working, and you'll know he's working opposite of everything that God created. So if, God, if the enemy's trying to take our land, there's a reason. But he's also trying to take our family. And the reason he's trying to take our family is because he's trying to steal our identity. 
And if he's to steal our identity, he can steal who we really are before the Lord and what we're really called to do. If I'm not careful, I'll find my true identity. I'm a preacher of this gospel. I'm an apostle. Bruce is a prophet. There's a prophet. There's a teacher. There's a teacher. Or I'm this and I'm that and we're struggling. And when we're not doing those things, we feel empty and we feel defeated. And if that's where your identity is, you're going to be defeated. And that's where the enemy will rob you every time. But here's where my true identity is. Just like Paul said. He said, for me to live is Christ. My true identity is I just belong to Jesus. Whether I do something or I don't, I'm His. He made me. He created me. And the scripture says He seated me in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Put me in a garden. Put me in a beautiful, safe place. But He didn't leave me there. Verse 19 says this. Now you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Now He put us in family right now, in this moment, in this time, to work together. You better see this now. It's not coming. This is what we're supposed to be doing now. Now, here's the reset because it's not done. Now he says, go feel all the earth. When he said this, when he said this in Genesis, no, Matthew chapter 24, he said something like this. He said, go into all the world and preach this gospel. You want to know what the gospel has the power of God to do? It has the power of God to bring life, to bring the new birth experience, to bring a reset, to change everything. And it's the only tool that God gave us was to go in the only assignment. Go and make disciples. Go tell people about who I am and who they are in me. We, the church, I feel have gotten far from that. Pastor, we're better together. I thought that's your series. It is. Because that's not just my assignment. That's the assignment of everybody in this room. Why? Because he said so. Well, Pastor, it don't feel like revival. Well, what are you looking for? I, I've come this. I had to write this down. Sorry. We're landing this jet. Man, I I got nine minutes to go. I believe this came to me this morning. True awakening is always to refocus us and bring us back to God and to His plan. That's what true awakening is. To refocus us back to God and to His plan that He's always intended. Revival is God's Spirit reviving, strengthening, and empowering us with the ability to do and fulfill all the purpose that He always has called us to do. I believe we're in a moment that we're going to make decisions. The church, I'm not just talking about us, I believe the church at large. Either we're going to walk God's plan or we're going to wonder another 40 years. I feel that so strongly. That we can miss another opportunity. God won't defeat us. God won't, God won't leave us alone. Because here's the thing about the wilderness. God fed them. Their clothes didn't wear out. Shoes didn't wear out. Boy, that'd be a good thing for me. They lived that life. They just kept walking, but never got to the place that God was truly had made them to be and to get to until they all died out and a generation just kept wandering. I'm here to challenge you on this first day of October. We're not trying to do something cute. I believe we've got to get our purpose back. 
I'm not just talking about Christ Church. I'm talking about the church. We've got to come back to God. We've got to be a priesthood that will teach and speak the Word of God again. We've got to be a priesthood that says, as for me and my house, this is how we're going to live. As for me and my family, I'm going to impart this thing into my family, into my children. It's not too late. Moms and daddies, you and I have a responsibility. Church, we have a responsibility to our neighbors. We have, we've got a responsibility to our land to say this is how we're supposed to live. Okay, I'm done. I'm just done. All right, stand. you got a word give you an opportunity if you have a word you want to speak it come prophet didn't come into the house for no reason thank you Lord I'm going to read this but before I do one thing for sure, church. If the man of God comes in here next Sunday or the next Sunday and you hear what pastor just declared to us, don't say, man, I never heard that before. Wasn't that awesome? Because what pastor just declared to us was an awesome, awesome word of the Lord. For this hour, I hope you had an ear to hear what God's saying to us. I was shaving last Sunday morning. Now, this this might be uh, TMI for some of you. But I was shaving last Sunday morning, getting ready to go to a service. And the Lord began speaking to me about this place. Mm. And can, can I just add a little bit right there? I believe... So much of what you've just been declaring to us is the way we, the people of God, have got to start becoming. When God speaks, we hear Him. And we're not just bringing Him up or pulling Him down. We're releasing what's in us. And He will speak to you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. And I'm beginning to shave, and God speaks to me, and here's what he said. As I spoke to you over a year ago, change was coming and on the horizon. I was going to begin to move on this people and move more in, and some would move out. And for you pillars not to be moved or shaken, for I am not moving more in to take your place, but rather make more placements and joints that would supply yeah. and flow together. This would no longer be the church driven as in the past, but I will bring new order for the hour you are in to fulfill the purpose of God for this place and to bring forth kingdom relationship to bring many sons into this glory of the latter house. Wow. And pastor just told us a while ago what that glory was. It's not all this stuff that we look for. It is you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are the glory. And that that is within you that is released is the glory of God. So he's looking for Christ's church to bring forth this this relationship the purpose of God for this place to bring forth kingdom relationship to bring many sons into this glory of the latter house and the manifestation of the sons of God the ingathering of the harvest you are now in that season Wow! I have yeah. positioned and made placements of strategy strategic placement and plan as I said send Judah first as I said march seven days as I said build the ark according to the dimensions 
You see, God's in strategy. Yeah, yeah. He really is. And if we'll hear his strategy and move in it, build the ark according to the dimensions that I have spoken, uh, for I have a specific plan for you. The gathering is not for the sake of numbers, yet every person represents a number. Yeah. And I have their number, and I will be the I am that they need. You will manifest my glory yeah. and reveal the power and authority of the I am wow. to bring change and freedom in their life. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You by my spirit can see the strengths. You by his spirit can see the strengths and weakness, the destiny for their life and help to bring my plan to pass. For I'm revealing the Joshua and Caleb spirit in those who will declare what the king has decreed. Wow. For wow. this is the hour for the decree of the king to be declared in the land that I have given you to take possess yeah. all the, where the soles of your foot shall tread. Yeah, yeah. And he said, I have spoken more recent concerning honor on you, man and woman of God. Or this is that season. This is that season that I will bring it forth because you have been faithful to what I called you to do. This is that day yeah, yeah, yeah. that God is going to reveal that honor and surround you with men and women, young people and old people yeah, that yeah. will honor you not because you've always been right, but because you've done what God told you yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. That's it, Pastor. Wow. Thank you, man. Shit. Come on, give Jesus a shout. You're going to carry us out, all right? God spoke. He spoke to us twice. Now I'm putting it in your hands. And that's how we're going to go out. Because we're going to embrace and receive the word of the Lord. I do in the name of Jesus. So Father, I bless this house. I bless this people to walk in this hour and everything that you've appointed and called. Even into the new. God, even into those new strategies. Into those things that you have purposed. God, to bring in the great harvest. God, I thank you for that right now. God, may this be an outstanding week, an outstanding time for your people, and I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Good day, everybody. Lead us out of here.